Hello. Oh, it is recording. I see the little figure. Okay, great. I will do my little spiel and then I'll introduce you. Nice. Okay, here I go. Hi, my name's Sue from the Salveson Mindroom Research Centre at the University of Edinburgh and I'm recording another psychological, which is the little podcast that we set up during the COVID-19 pandemic to try and find a way to um, put some evidence-based information out there into the conversations that we're all having at the moment about child and adolescent development and well-being and learning and so on and so forth. And I've been speaking on the phone to different psychologists about every week. And today I'm talking to Lucy Livingston, who is based at Cardiff University, and she's going to be talking to me about some work that she's done looking at social skills and particularly compensation of social skills in autism. So, hello, Lucy. How are you today? Hi, Sue. Good, thanks. Good. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, so, let's start with um, what you what you discovered when you did this piece of research. Um, so, in this piece of research, I guess our, our main finding um, was um, that there are some autistic people, particularly autistic adolescents um, who are quite good at compensating um, for difficulties that they have in theory of mind. Um, so these individuals um, show quite good social skills in their behaviour, um, even though um, they do still have um, difficulties um, with inspiring the mental states um, of other people. Fantastic. Um, and so what what kind of led you into this question what made you think that this might be an interesting thing to examine um sure so i guess um, one of the main things that i was interested in um was trying to understand a bit more about why there are such large individual differences amongst autistic people um and in particular we know that um some individuals develop much um uh, better social skills um, than others um, across their development um, and so this has kind of led um, some people to speculate about the possibility um, that some autistic people might be able to kind of compensate for um, underlying cognitive uh, difficulties or, or differences um, so that these individuals um, actually appear um, far more neurotypical in their behaviour um, than, than we might expect if we were to look um, at their cognitive profile. Um, and in particular, uh, I was particularly inspired by um, work that some people had done, including um, Uta Frith, um, on uh, developmental dyslexia. Um, so there was kind of uh, a, a number of studies that showed um, that children with dyslexia um, who typically have difficulties with reading, some of these individuals um, go on um, in early adulthood to, the, to um, kind of show typical levels of reading that actually um, when we kind of probe them with um, cognitive tasks that get at um, some of their underlying difficulties um, in phonological processing, um, it kind of indicates um, that, that the phonological processing difficulties haven't gone away, um, uh, but instead that these individuals might be compensating for them um, such that they um, then appear to be um, reading typically. I see. So they've got to the same endpoint, but via perhaps a different process. Yes, exactly. Um, and so, so yeah. Sorry, no, Lucy. Can you, 
Well, I was going to ask about the, the, so I guess this is a kind of a measurement question, but also a conceptual one about the, the difference then between sort of social skills and then underlying cognitive skills. So perhaps we should start with the cognitive level. Um, you could just remind listeners or, or enlighten listeners about what we mean by theory of mind and, and what the sort of cognitive level of social abilities are that you were looking at. Sure. So um, theory of mind is a kind of a, a mental process um, which we think that all um, humans develop and it allows you to um, be able to infer the mental states of other people um, even when these mental states might differ um, from your own. Um, in relation to autism, um, we think that theory of mind um, uh, might be uh, theory of mind difficulties might be something that, that really characterizes um, autism. Um, and so when we talk about the theory of mind theory of autism, um, this is a cognitive theory um, that we think um, helps us to understand um, the behaviors that we see in autism. Um, so we, yeah, we kind of assume that the cognitive difficulties will then um, be reflected uh, in behavior. Um, but the way that we measure the cognitive difficulties, because we can't, we can't just observe cognitive difficulties, uh, we need to use um, experimental tasks um, such as a theory of mind task. Right, and so and so this this technical skill, if you like, of um, of of modelling what other people are thinking, right, and especially I guess their sort of complex thoughts is is something that we can capture in the lab and that we assume is a useful, important underpinning skill in your day-to-day -day life because, you know, we're always sort of, when we're working out what to say next in a conversation, we're partly also working out what the person we're speaking to thinks about what we said last, for example, that kind of thing. Is that, yes. is that right? Yes. yes, exactly, yeah. And so then, so then, you, so you're looking at this gap between that cognitive skill and the and the sort of day-to-day -day social skills. So perhaps you could tell me a bit more about that level then. What sort of, I don't know if day-to-day -day is quite the right phrase, but what sort of, um, you know, um, superficially observable things were you looking at in terms of social skills? So in terms of just in general, um, you know, social skills might be, um, you know, how you respond to other people, whether you kind of respond appropriately to their questions, whether or not you um, kind of can pick up on, um, uh, you know, uh, t turns in the conversation, whether mm. or not, um, uh, yeah, and this might then kind of feed into more kind of real life social things. So, for example, whether or not you have um, good social relationships, whether or not you get on with other people. Um, yeah, and in terms of autism, um, the types of difficulties that we might see in these um, social skills um, would be um, things, um, you know, like difficulties um, understanding others, um, difficulties understanding where the conversation is going to go, um, predicting what uh, what someone's going to say next. Um, and this is what can make it uh, more difficult for autistic people um, to connect and, and make relationships with other people. Mm. And so did you, how did you capture that specifically in this 
study, did you just ask people to rate their own social skills or did you observe them somehow? What was the, what was the measure for that? So, um, so in this study, we um, used the ADOS, um, which is a kind of semi-structured interview that an experimenter does um, with the autistic person. And um, it basically um, involves kind of some, some, some questions and also some games. Um, and the experimenter will code for certain particular behaviours that they observe um, in the autistic person. So there's no kind of self-reporting for the autistic person themselves. I see. I see. So you've got a kind of directly observed measure. And um, and so then what's the kind of analysis? So how did you capture, because you're trying to capture a sort of gap, aren't you, between yeah. these two different kinds of measures. So perhaps you could tell us a bit about that analysis and, and actually um, also <laughs> who was involved in the study, right? So who your participants sure. were. Sorry, I should have, <laughs> I should have asked that already. The participants um, were um, autistic adolescents um, around kind of 12 years old. Um, and these individuals were tested um, in person. Um, so researchers went and visited them um, at their homes. Um, and the, the particular kind of analysis that we did is we wanted to compare two groups of individuals. So individuals um, who uh, showed good uh, social skills um, uh, when observed by the experimenter um, but showed poor theory of mind task performance uh, and compare the, that group to individuals who also show um, poor theory of mind performance um, but show much better. Um, sorry, I've mixed that up. <laughs> so one, both groups um, are showing poor theory of mind performance um, and one group um, is showing um, kind of clear social difficulties in their behaviour and the other group is showing um, much better social skills. Right, right. So it's this latter group that we kind of call our high compensation group. And we right. wanted to try and directly compare those two groups of people um, to see if there are any kind of differences in their characteristics um, which might tell us something about um, the processes involved in compensation. Right, absolutely. So, what are the what are the resources that those people might be drawing on in order to compensate so effectively for the kind of cognitive um, differences that they're experiencing? Exactly. Yes. And so, what what were those? Where, where was that compensation coming from, Linda? Did you get a clear answer to that question? That's not always the sure. case when we're doing research. <laughs> is it? So we we thought that kind of domain general skills would be particularly important. So we had measured um, IQ um, and also executive function. Um, so things like planning, um, ability to um, shift between different sets uh, and abilities to inhibit your behavior. Mm -hmm. um, and we also um, thought that potentially um, kind of based on um, reports from autistic people and also clinicians um, that the high compensators might actually um, have um, higher mental health symptoms compared to the low compensators. Mm. And this has come from, uh, yeah, as I say, reports that um, compensating, um, you know, on a daily basis um, for uh, things that you, that you might find difficult um, is really exhausting um, 
really, uh, yeah, really tiring and it does actually have a negative uh, impact on your well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the end, what we found um, was that um, IQ is really important, um, particularly um, verbal IQ. Um, executive function seems to be even more even more important than IQ. So we still find differences between the two groups um, in executive function ability um, over and above um, IQ. So when we take mm. IQ into account, um, and we did yes find that uh, the high compensators. Um, reported uh, greater anxiety um, than the low compensators. Mm, that's really interesting. So, so basically, those high compensators are just they're just working really hard, right? And they're using all of their intellect and their sort of planning and working memory and you know inhibition type abilities to um, to create this kind of you know acceptable social face if you like to go out into the world yeah yeah Yeah. and did you um were you able to look at gender differences because that's certainly been a topic of interest hasn't it when it comes to things like compensation and I guess the closely related phenomenon of sort of camouflaging or masking um is that something that you were able to examine we did have a look at gender differences and we didn't find any, um, but we think um, that we were potentially underpowered mm. and we, um, had uh, a much lower number of um, females in the study. Mm. Um, so I definitely think that there needs to be more, more investigation mm. into any of these potential um, gender mm. differences. Mm. And so you, you mentioned earlier the word you meant to, I've written down on a scribble down a bit of paper appropriateness, right? So there's something I think is really interesting in this whole area of inquiry is the extent to which, you know, these these phenomena that we're talking about, things like social skills, right? Do we mean social skills or do we mean neurotypical social norms? And And even at the cognitive level, when we're talking about, you know, sort of, detecting or 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 um, inferring the mental states of others do we mean inferring the mental states of neurotypical people who are you know sort of in the majority and and get to call the shots so often about you know what con- what's considered the the right way to behave or the right thing to think so i don't know if you have any insights into this you know into these sorts of drivers of this phenomenon i don't know if if any participants talked about this or if you had any thoughts about this kind of dimension of it you know if, if everyone was autistic would we have this, this compensation sure. issue so, for example i guess um i guess uh, some some of these questions were kind of addressed in a in a follow-up study that i did mm-hmm. um which was a qualitative study where i actually um asked autistic people um, you know, I asked them more specific questions about what, what, what these strategies are that they might be using in social situations mm-hmm. and, um, you know, more information about the context of how they work. Um, and one of the things that really did come through was that, um, that you know, the, uh, the motivation um, to use a lot of these strategies and to, you know, um, appear a certain way um, was really driven by um, kind of pressure put on them by other people, whether that be society mm. or their parents or their peers. 
um and they there was really this sense that they were um yeah as, as you say kind of um trying to reach some neurotypical norm even if it didn't really seem um it didn't really make sense to them you know why it was so important that you need to make eye contact or you know make small talk about the weather for example they just did it um anyway um to try and fit in um and another thing that really came through was that um uh, autistic people spoke about um how it, it it often it did matter um who their interaction partner was mm. um so that sometimes they felt that um you know social interaction with other with non-autistic people um, kind of, you know, fell apart um, because they felt that they were being misinterpreted rather than they had made some misattribution um, about the uh, non-autistic person. And there's definitely a sense that when interacting with another autistic person, um, that there seems to be that mutual understanding um, and maybe, you know, less pressure to adhere to some of these social norms um, mm. that, that makes interaction so much um, easier and less stressful um, yeah yeah it's so interesting isn't it it's so interesting and I feel like as researchers are sort of finally catching up with stuff that's probably been you know um, pretty prominent in the autistic community for a while <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah and actually trying to use these ideas to then think about the ways that we do measure social behavior and um, and things like theory of mind, um, because it yeah, it potentially does matter who you're interacting with. Absolutely. So that was going to be my next question, maybe just um, as we sort of slightly move towards the end of the podcast, is, is you know, what, what the implications of this work is. Um, uh, I guess in terms of how we might measure things in the future or the questions we might ask, but also, you know, for any parents with autistic kids who are listening or for any autistic teenagers who hear this or or for teachers and so on you know how can we um respond to this information and maybe nurture um you know sort of um better mental health for autistic people uh maybe help them avoid feeling the need to compensate but also you know help them build those relationships with with the people around them who are often not going to be autistic, right? Mm. So there's a there's a bit of a tension there, isn't there, between sort of the drivers that make you want to to fit in and the the drivers that that, that are sort of saying, you know, be who you are and, you know, um have that have that kind of strong pride in your identity as it is. what are your thoughts about what we could be doing in families or in practitioner settings? with this kind of information um i guess i guess there's a couple of things um so you know firstly in this study um you know this study was kind of the first study to directly investigate this and find that there are these individuals that have huge discrepancies between mm-hmm. um cognitive um uh cognitive differences um and how they behave, appear in behavior um, and because we judge people on their behavior all the time, um, you know, there may really be autistic people out there whose, you know, genuine difficulties are completely um, under-recognized. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I often, you know, hear about um, autistic um, autistic girls in particular um, talking about this, um, that, uh, you know, they're just not getting the right um, support um, at school or, or, um, or, or, you know, when moving into adulthood in, in, in the workplace mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, they just appear to be doing um, so well um, in inverted, mm-hmm. inverted commas. So mm-hmm. um, I think, firstly, just getting people to be more, just be more aware of, of, of kind of how, how certain autistic people can appear, you know, superficially um, neurotypical um, would be um, my my first um, point to make um, because mm. particularly if these individuals are at kind of heightened risk um, for mental health problems. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and I guess more broadly in society, um, I would kind of just champion a you know more you know greater acceptance of uh, of all differences. So you know not just autistic differences, but just just people you know not fitting into neat boxes. And I think if that was just more pervasive across society, um, then you know people would feel less um, less pressured to to kind of to change their behaviours in, in quite extreme ways that are not um, in accordance with who they truly um, feel that they are. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the other the other okay. kind of implication that came out of this is it it got me thinking about um, some of the kind of social skills training. Um, that goes on for autistic people um, yeah. and you know maybe sometimes this this training is really useful for people um but but maybe actually you know when you start to think about what 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 social skills training is it is almost teaching people compensatory strategies yeah. that kind of allow them to superficially uh, appear neurotypical and maybe that's not the best thing um for for young autistic people um so maybe um, we need to kind of rethink some of our um, interventions, and I guess it would be about finding a balance, um, as you say, between you know um, enabling them to have to have meaningful friendships with other people, but also you know allowing them to to, to be themselves and to not um, you know not not kind of burden themselves with with always feeling like they have to be 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 someone else. Yeah. Yeah, we need some uh, we need some uh, social skills training for the the friends, right? For the, for yeah. the neurotypical friends. Yeah. How to make friends with their autistic body? Yeah. How to be a better friend? Yeah. Um. So, uh, before we finish, I just wanted to ask. So, I believe you are now a lecturer at Cardiff University, and I guess that's a relatively new post. If I'm if I've followed your career yeah. correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, so, so sort of fresh, fresh from your PhD and postdocs, and into this, you know, into the the holy grail of the kind of academic post. I wondered if you had some, you know, um, excellent and up to date advice for, you know, maybe PhD students or postdocs who are listening and um, feeling, you know, a little daunted by the. Uh, the, the kind of context in which we find ourselves at the moment. Yeah. So what's your? What would um, you? What would you pass on to those people who might be listening? Sure. Well, other than a massive dose of luck, <laughs> I think one of the things that um, I, I think's made it easier for me to make the transition from out of my PhD 
um, into an academic post um, was um, was actually um, the type of um, PhD um, supervisor I had. Um, so I was supervised by Frankie Happe, who really just allowed me to completely follow my own interests, um, completely change ideas that I wasn't interested in, um, and really, you know, took serious my my own um, ideas. Um, and so I think that um, working with people, you know, be that your supervisor or or, or collaborators who really will. Um, you know, not necessarily dictate to you what you need to do, but allow you to flourish with your own ideas. Um, mm. I think really makes such a difference. Um, and something that someone once told me many years ago, which I didn't take seriously, um, was that when you go for a PhD interview, you should interview your supervisor. Um, mm. You know, you should decide, if, you know, if you think that person is the right person to help you in your career. And I always thought that was a completely ridiculous thing to say because I thought I'm just going to take whatever PhD I can get but I think it's really important to to find the right supervisors and mentors who um, allow you to follow your own interests and um, yeah and develop develop new skills that you want to learn as well. Mm. That is a lovely thing to end on and I will just um, echo your comments because I've worked with Frankie as well, and she's a particularly exceptional person. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah absolutely. But it's great. And then, of course, you'll 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 learn your you'll have learned your supervision trade from her. So that's another fantastic supervisor out in the world now. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we should probably draw to a close. Thank you so much for your time, though, Lucy. It's really fascinating talking about this work. I find it super interesting and important. Um, for anyone who is listening, you'll be able to find out more about Lucy's work and about and link to the specific paper that we've been talking about by following the links on the podcast page, which is at ed.ac.uk forward slash salveson dash research. Thank you so much, Lucy. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay, we did it. I thought that went quite smoothly.